Lone Star Gun Talk is a Lone Star Gun Rights production. Original music and hosted by Derek Wills. Copyright Lone Star Gun Rights 2020. Alright, Lone Star Gunners, welcome to the podcast. This is Lone Star Gun Talk, the official podcast of Lone Star Gun Rights. And I am your humble host, as always, Derek Wills. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Uh, go ahead and chime on in comments where you are watching from. Uh, so, if you've, if, uh, unless you've been living under a rock for the past week or so, uh, you know that, well, everybody is panicking and... Uh, up until last week, week and a half ago, uh, preppers were a bunch of crazies. And now everybody's like, oh, now I get it. Now I'm, I consider myself a bit of a prepper. Uh, but to talk prepping, I wanted to bring in two people that I consider to be experts, but they would call themselves, uh, Enthusiastic novices, I believe, is their term, and that is our good friends from uh, the Matter of Facts podcast. I've had Phil Rabelais on the show before. Uh, he is the author of the American Insurgent book, now available on Amazon, uh, as well as we finally got his co-host, Andrew Bobo, on with us and tonight we are going to talk about prepping y'all can go ahead and unmute and uh go ahead and say hello to the world hello world hey now, guys of course i had both of y'all pulled up on the opposite uh times that y'all were speaking so that was great uh <laughs> you had one job i know i know and i i totally <laughs> All right, so, uh, Phil, uh, a lot of people, I mean, you've been here a couple of times. Andy, you have not. If you have read American Insurgent, uh, well, this is Andy Bob. Uh, <laughs> uh, Andrew, if you would, uh, give, give us a little bit about yourself, uh, since this is your first time. Uh, who are you, and where do you come from? What got you into what you do and all that fun stuff? Well, my name is Andrew, uh, co-host of the Matter of Facts podcast. Um, so basically, I mean, what got me here was, uh, I mean, uh, long story short, I guess, uh, <clears throat> my growing up, I mean, my parents, they always, I, I call my parents, if anybody's listened uh, to the show or if you've ever said anything, um, I, I call my parents, um, closet preppers because they prep without saying it's prepping. Um, they've been doing it for, I mean, ever since I was I mean, little, uh, and they, they don't consider it prepping. My dad looks at it. He laughs at the, at the term prepping. Um, it, but they really, I mean, I grew up with my parents and I mean, I grew up in the country, uh, to where, I mean, we lost power. I'm, I live up in Michigan, uh, and I'm from, uh, more of like central Michigan is where I'm from, uh, rural town, you know, we're just small town. I'm from the country. I, I, I don't remember. It was only a couple of years ago that my family got away from 56 K dial up internet oh my god <laughs> um, yeah and at that they went to like they called it high speed uh like high speed satellite 
you know, and that was supposed to be high speed, but I think the dial-up was actually faster than the high speed. And yeah, it's, <laughs> I hate going to my parents uh, for, cause it's like the internet just sucks. <laughs> um, but you know, it's, it, it's what happens when you live out in the country and stuff and they don't run all cables out that far. Uh, but no, I mean, I grew up, we, I, I grew up with the oil lamp, um, in almost in every room. Um, I mean, I have an oil lamp sitting right next to me on my, um, on my computer desk right now. Uh, it's just something that I like it. They, they look cool. So I keep them, I keep it around just for the look, but also we've lost power where I live right now. And I've, I've powered it up. I, you know, I've lit, I've lit it up and carried it around the house before with me. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, I grew up with an oil lamp in every house or every room, um, a flashlight, you know, in almost in every drawer, just, just prepared to the preparedness mindset has always been ingrained in me to just be ready for if the power goes out. Um, that being said, my mom has always had a large garden growing up as well. Uh, and she's always canned. Um, she taught me how to can, uh, just actually a couple years or last year, she taught me how to can venison, uh, with a buck I shot. <clears throat> and so, um, I'm now this, taking that and I'm not, what's up? Uh, this, this is not the same can that goes on the end of your AR, right? This is different cans. No, 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 um, no. Canning, uh, pressure, uh, pressure cooking um, with a pressure cooker, canning and preserving venison from a deer. Uh, she, you know, she does that. She, I mean, she she cans everything uh, to preserve it, uh, food wise. Um, I mean, my dad. I grew up. My dad always hunted. If it was in season, he usually hunted it. Uh, and anything they had, anytime they had to supplement anything, they always bought like a half a beef or a pig or something like that to supplement. Um, from a local farmer to supplement that extra meat. Um, <clears throat> you know, they always had a lot of food on hand. My mom has a huge pantry downstairs. And so it, it, it was always ingrained in me, uh, you know, to, uh, to just that mindset. And then my uncle, um, you know, he, he's been, he's become a big part in the, uh, in our podcast as well. He's a big influence to myself and a lot of people, but he's a huge, uh, he's a big time prepper. He always talks about, uh, um, like he's always bought because he's you know he says he has OCD but it's um CDO which is OCD backward or alphabetized rather <laughs> and um so because he's so OCD and so he's always talked about you know prepping and stuff like that growing up and he's always been into it and then uh talking to him over the years like you know probably over the last 15 years or so it's like I've really gotten into it um and so those have been my really my big influences what really got me started um, the, the kind of like the trigger, a little, like, you know, it's different for everybody, but really got me what, what got me thinking was, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the show Jericho. I, I, so, I've heard of it. I've never watched it. Yeah. Well, I mean, basically the short end of it was, uh, the, it's about a small town. Um, and they, it's about yeah, a small town that, um, there's, uh, some nuclear strikes throughout the U S and it knocks out all power in the U S uh, and basically, it's a small town that has to band together and survive. And, you know, it just revolves around these key individuals. Um, and that really that really got me thinking of, like, what if something not necessarily like a nuclear event happened? But what if, like, the power went out? What if, like, certain things happened? How am I prepared? And I started looking at my supplies. And I'm like, I got, like, I like to camp. I like to hike. So I'm like, okay, I got some food. I got some stuff. And it really helped me kind of nip it in the butt. And I ramped stuff up. Um, and so that's really what got me started. Um you know, and then I met Phil uh, through Wasted Ammo Podcast, and he was uh, hurting for a co-host, and I kind of, like, started hounding him, saying, hey, like, 
you know, what do you want to do? You want, you want to do a, uh, I could be your co-host or whatever. And he was like, well, at first he was like, yeah, I'm looking for someone, uh, someone local. And then, uh, down the road, I think he kind of found out that, I don't know, I don't know what it was, but he finally caved in. I mean, maybe I like harassed him long enough and he saw me standing outside his window and I don't know, but it's like a lost puppy kind of thing. He just took me in, but, uh, but no, um, yeah, it, it's kind of interesting with Phil being in Louisiana, me here. Uh, it, it's it gives a different aspect to stuff, but I really like it. And uh, but yeah, I mean that's how basically I got to here. Um, yeah, well, also <laughs> the, the it, it, long short version. Well, it uh, it also provides a unique perspective because prepping in Michigan is going to be different than prepping in Louisiana or Texas because you have much more brutal winters than we do, uh, and that's something that we don't consider down here cause we don't have to, but that's, you know, if something were to happen during the harsh winter months, that's, you know, that's pretty serious. Uh, check it in the comments. Just, uh, we got John from El Paso, uh, Crosby from Denver, Russell from Millsap, Texas, and Vicky from Carrollton. And then also, uh, Gary is watching, uh, from central Michigan. He, he's a fellow Michigander in here for you. Uh, we also got, uh, Stephanie Jeffrey, uh greg and harold uh thank you guys so much for tuning in guys uh let me bring in mr rabelais phil that uh oh so wonderful mugshot of yours and uh so what's what's been going on man tell us tell us fill us in as to as what's new with with mr rabelais i mean what's new with me is just more of the same just you know holding down the day job taking care of the family trying to push the podcast out we've been seeing a lot of a lot of new people that are prepper curious especially bearing in mind what's been going on in the world lately a lot of people are suddenly realizing that uh the crazy guy down the street with you know more guns in the national guard and enough food to feed an army for a month might not be the crazy one after all which i find incredibly gratifying at this point i know it really really is i was um the the memes have been lit for sure, but uh, the memes but... have been amazing. <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you right here and now that if the coronavirus does nothing but provide me hours of entertainment, surfing memes, it has been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but there are people that are legitimately concerned, uh, and you know, I I don't want to say that their paranoia is misplaced. I, I... I think that they're making it, it, the the crisis is is more fabricated than anything else. But to get into the mindset, if this is the thing to put you in the mindset of getting prepared for something, then that kind of makes it worth it. Uh, you know, here's here's kind of my perspective, and I'm going to shamelessly steal an idea from Sam Culper from Forward Observer. And if anybody has not heard the name Sam Culper, Forward Observer. Google that and go go listen to what that man has to say because he's a lot smarter than I am about a lot of things. But Sam's big bend is like pushing the area study. In other words, like analyzing your your individual situation, your environment, your surroundings, and figuring out what your biggest threat is that you need to pay attention to and prepare for. And that's something that like I don't think I ever found as eloquent a way to put it as he did, but it's something I've tried to tell people in the past is prepping's individual. Prepping is is down to what is your issue, what is in your environment, what's in your lane that you have to deal with. And this is the reason why Andrew and I work so well as as, host, as co-hosts, because he's in Michigan and I'm in Louisiana. We look at different situations from totally opposite directions because we have different environments and different concerns. 
So what I would say to a person, because I I will flatly admit that I have made fairly light of, of the coronavirus. I personally am not extraordinarily concerned about it, but I'm a 37-year-old man in very good health. That's not immunocompromised. I have, my, my child is old enough to be outside of the window where she's at a high risk of developing a serious case. Um, my immediate family, the three people in this house that I'm responsible for, we are not extremely worried about coronavirus. But I have parents who are elderly, and I'm concerned about them. I have a great nephew that is like month old, I think, as of yesterday. I'm very concerned about him. So what I would tell anybody that is nervous about the coronavirus is if you fall into one of those high-risk groups, you should be taking individual precautions to deal with your individual situation. But if you're not in one of those high-risk groups, I would tell you to take a Take a deep, deep, deep breath and um, stop buying like eight to eight cases of toilet paper. <laughs> well, unless, unless your plan is to eBay that stuff in the next couple of days, <laughs> then you're going to make a killing. <laughs> Those people need to be flicked in the freaking eye. <laughs> That's one way of putting I, it. I, <laughs> uh, Dude, I got a garden hose on the side of the house that'll do the job with no paper, okay? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I find it I find it funny, Andrew. That um, you know, the whole com- the whole concern is it's a respiratory issue. So let's go buy all of the toilet paper, and you know. Well, it's, I mean, speaking of memes, which is really funny because some of them are actually, I mean, they're spot on, just savage. Like as far as just pointing the obvious out to people, and it's like I saw one that was something like, um, you know, for all the assholes that freaking bought all the hand sanitizer, hand soap, and toilet paper. Congratulations. You made it so the you know the other hundred people that you need to shake hands with can't wash their hands. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's ridiculous. I mean, I understand. And, and I read a really good, I read an interesting article um, about the whole idea behind, like the psychology behind panic buying. And it's just interesting because of the fact that they, it, it's really what it comes down to. It's the it's the mob mentality for one, but it's also the the it's it's also comes from the idea of not being included, and it comes from the psychology behind like not getting enough, and uh, and being and feeling left out. And so you see, you know, for example, you know, like Derek, you see myself and Phil, you know, buying like two rolls of you know two rolls of toilet paper, or, you know, two two packs of toilet paper, or like. Or four slabs of, you know, four things of, uh, like, canned goods um, or whatever it is um, or ammo or whatever. And so you're like, okay, well, if they're doing it, then there's not going to be enough for me. So I'm going to have to do it. And so you buy some. And then the person behind you sees it and they buy some. And it becomes that mob mentality of, like, oh, crap, we need to get in there and get some. And, like, it's ridiculous. Like, honestly, it's – I mean, I understand the reasoning. I mean, I I can get – I get it. Like, I, I haven't panic bought but like I have went out and I have bought like extra like it's, like I've been to the grocery store now twice in the last I mean two weeks which is a little bit I try to go once every like three weeks or so once a month, but you know you go like it's <clears throat> I understand that thought that hey there might not be enough but like yeah I've 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 up some stuff like I bought a little, instead of buying like four canned goods I bought eight or something like that you know like I've up that. Uh, just in case, like, I am stuck home for, you know, for that period of time. And that's also what it stems from. But, yeah, it. I mean, for those individuals who are panic buying like this, I really hope that 
this is an eye-opening event for them, kind of like how like Katrina was, like Phil I know talks about like how Katrina was a big eye-opener for him. And I hope that this is a big eye-opener for people because um, I'm really hoping that, and you know, when things do settle down, instead of going back to normal but and going back to that three-day supply of food or that day of supply of food and, hey, I got to stop at the store today or else I can't make spaghetti because I don't have everything, I hope that this kind of kicks people in the butt and gets them to say, well, my kid likes SpaghettiOs, I like spaghetti, my husband likes chicken, like whatever it is. So I'm going to go and I'm going to buy, you know, all this, this, uh, instead of one pack of chicken, I'm going to go buy, you know, two or four packs of chicken. I'm going to throw the other ones in the freezer or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to Ziploc the other ones and um, separate them out or, you know, like, hey, instead of buying just that one thing of uh, spaghetti uh, noodles, that box that's going to get me through tonight, I'm going to buy six because what's the difference between me buying one right now or another four down the road or five down the road? Like, and then you have that. That's what I don't like. That's I'm hoping people get the idea. Right. I mean, because, I mean, there are people out there that legitimately need toilet paper right now because they've run out. Uh, and exactly. they can't and they can't get any because the panic buyers uh, went and they bought all of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're never going to be able in, 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 a, in a genuine crisis or even a fabricated one like this. You're never going to be able to prevent the, the panic buying because we have laws that prevent, you know, the 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 made up term price gouging, which is really just a way to keep the market stable in a time like this. But uh You'll have these shelves that are that go empty, and so preparing in and of itself is preparing for whenever the the shelves are empty. And I, if it is just buying one extra, you know, an extra can just to keep, just in case, every time you go grocery shopping, you know, that's a good way to get started. Um, Phil, I want to bring you in here. What what how how else would you? approach this for somebody who's brand new to prepping and they they this is their moment that they want to to start taking prepping seriously well what i've always tried to do and maybe it's my own perspective having kind of come up in the military is that i always start with what your um what your variable is what your situation is what your mission is and i plan backwards from there until i get to what materials you need what personnel you need so on and so forth so I always tell people, Mike, if you're if you're trying to get started in prepping and you think about needing the bunker full of ammunition and beans, bullets and band-aids and think I'm never going to get there. So it's too overwhelming. It's too big of a too big of a hurdle to jump over. Initially, I tell everybody, I'm like prep for three days. Everything you can think of needing for three days, I need X amount of toilet paper, X amount of drinkable water, X amount of food. I need, you know, a reasonable amount of ammunition, a fire to protect myself. I need basic medical gear, bandage, hydrogen peroxide, so on and so forth. I, I need everything I need for three days. Start there. Most people can amass the things they need for three days. If you can't do it right here and now, it won't take long because the average person has three days of supply in their home. If you right. don't, then go fix that problem right now. Well, not right now while the stores are empty and craziness is happening, but go fix that problem immediately because you should have three days of food, water, and basic hygiene requirements in your home. Once you get to three days, go to seven, and you just double it up. And then once you get to the seven-day period, go to 15, then go to 30. The point is 
these are all the things I need for this span of time. And then you just keep raising the bar as far as I need more and more and more so that I can stretch out. Andrew and I were talking about this earlier today, and I think we're both at a pretty comfortable spot where, like, if if in my home you shut off the utilities and you barricaded me in my home, no electricity, no water, no gas, my family can exist in this home with what we have in the in these four walls for 30 days. We won't miss a meal. We won't go hungry. We will, we'll be fine. Now, that is 30 days predicated on my experience from Hurricane Katrina because if you weren't in an area where you literally got flooded out of your home, then the supply system was shocked so hard. There were so many stores flooded, and there was such disruption to the interstate highway system down here. It took 30 days before some of the outlying suburbs around New Orleans started seeing regular fuel deliveries and regular groceries coming in. So Katrina, like like Andrew said, that was kind of my that was my genesis. That was when I became a prepper. But it really came about because I looked at the situation. I'm like, what would I do if I had to feed the feed my family and take care of them for 30 days? And I had nothing coming in to do it. So when all of this happened, I mean, I looked at my wife and I said, let's double up. the." I mean, I, I told her this like a week and a half before all this started. I'm like, let's double up the grocery bill. We've got the money. We've got money in savings for exactly for these kinds of situations. You know, this is where we're at. This is where we're at on canned food, toilet paper, all the hygiene stuff. Let's just double up what we're going to get anyway. And we'll put it away. We've got room in the closets. We've got We've got room for it. And then when all this kicked off since, what was it, about Thursday or Friday when it really started getting crazy, I looked at my wife and I'm like, we've got everything we need. I mean, at this point, if we go out, it's because we're trying to keep ahead of using the things that we have in this home, but we're not hurting for anything. When the, when we went through a store today and the store shelves were bare and there was no toilet paper we found, I don't care. I'm sitting on as much as I need for quite a while. Yeah. Prepping is not a, it's not a, I tell everybody, I'm like, prepping is not a casual activity. It's not a thing you do. It's not a hobby. It's a way of thinking. It's a lifestyle. It's, it's the idea that I know things go bad sometimes. I need to have things to mitigate or counteract whatever's going to go bad that might happen to me and my family. I need to be prepared to deal with that situation. Some of that means you have a fully stocked food pantry and an extra case of toilet paper. Sometimes it means having a handgun and a bunch of ammunition. Sometimes it means other things. But it means that we've thought about these scenarios in advance and we've put down procedures and preps in advance to deal with them when they come up. Because the day you run out of toilet paper is the wrong day to figure out there's none on the store shelves. So in your in your in your hypothetical of a person has no toilet paper and they need to go buy some today and they're screwed. My only answer would be, why did you wait till you were out of toilet paper to go get some more? Yeah. So, uh, Andrew, I got a, I got a question for you. Uh, you know, preppers get this weird stigma attached to them. Like, we are these people prepping for the boogaloo. We're prepping for a nuclear holocaust or the zombie apocalypse. But that's not what prepping is about. How do you – what would you say to somebody who used to – or? might still be along those those lines of thinking in order to con, you know to tell them that you know this is something that everybody needs to do for these very reasons um it's kind of funny because uh the guys i work with uh they i get made fun of a lot um for the whole preparedness mindset um the whole 
you know, oh, you're prepping for the zombies, you're prepping for, you know, government takeover, stuff like that. And I just, you know, I just laughed about it and, you know, joked around with it. But then all of a sudden, like, now this is going on and I just look at him, I'm like, hey, not so funny now, is it, assholes? <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so... You know, my, like, I mean, for example, like my roommate, he's, he made, he's made fun of me a lot about it, you know, and he's always like, oh, I can't, you know, he's like, oh, you got food, water set aside and ammo and all this stuff. And he'd always, you know, over the couple of years I've lived with him, he's made fun of me. Well, all of a sudden, a couple of days ago, he texts me and he was like, hey, he goes, we need to start getting supplies. I'm like, what do you mean we? I go, you need to start getting supplies. <laughs> What's all this we stuff? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to lock up my bedroom door. I've got plenty. <laughs> Right. And I'm like, you don't know where I'm hiding your hiding my food. <laughs> I mean, it's right under his nose, but like, yeah. And so he was like, he goes, well, he goes, well, what do you need to get? And I, I listed off a bunch of stuff for him to get. And he goes, okay, well, I'll get the next run. And I go, no, you'll get your next run. I said, I'm going to go get more. Like, don't worry, you know, don't worry about me. And, um, and I go, not so funny now, is it? I'm like, you always make fun of me. He's like, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> But, uh, but no, I mean, you know, like more it, and I've had this conversation with a uh, guy I work with. Um, he's got, he, you know, he just had a small child, uh, you know, and he's got a stay at home wife and everything like that. And like, and so he, and so, uh, in the winter we lost power and he was like, yeah, I need to go to the store. I need to get, um, like wet wipes and stuff for my kid. And I go, why don't you have, why don't you have that stuff? And he goes, what do you mean? And I said, you as a father, you as a husband of all people, you should have things set aside to take care of your wife and child. I'm like, I'm not trying to like badmouth you for being a bad person or bad, you know, a bad uh, husband or a bad father, like, cause you're not, but like, this is the time, like, this is the reason for you to have these supplies for the power goes out and, or we have went, we, you know, we have like, luckily this winter was not bad at all, but you know, we get, it's like the power goes out, the, the roads are, you can't go down the roads because it's an ice storm outside. And all of a sudden you, you pull out the wet wipes and you pull the last one out for your kid and you have to wipe their butt. Like you can, there's alternatives you can definitely come up with quick, but you should have a stack of those. And so we were talking about what's going on now. And he was like, yeah, he was, I went to, I went to Myron. He's like, I got a whole stack. I got like, a, you know, he's telling me all the stuff he got. I'm like, great. That's awesome. Like you should, you should have those supplies on hand. And so it's those kind of conversations that I've had with people over the last couple of days is, um, Hey, like, you know, and I mean, like I had a friend of mine, he texted me and he was like, Hey, he was, get me a list, uh, get me a list of quick, uh, of things quick, you know? And I kind of, I got busy at work and I, I got him only a couple of things, but he ended up going to Meyer and he picked up those things. Plus like a crap ton of items because he thought I go, and I, cause I told him, I said, figure out first off, figure out what you need. Of course, you know, if you need it, cause he has a kid, he has a son as well. I said, you know, of course the, the food is important because, you know, you have to get, you know, you have to feed yourself. I, right now, water is not a big issue because they haven't stopped water filtration. They haven't, you know, the water plants haven't stopped pumping water, um, or the power hasn't went out. So you're, we're not at that stage yet. But I told him, I said, focus on some food. I said, right now, I said, what's most important is calories. Like, yeah, protein is important, you know, and like nutrition is important. So keep that in mind. But if your son, you know, I'm like, get spaghettios, get raviolis, get stuff that your son will eat. And so he went and, you know, picked up a bunch of stuff. But those are the conversations I've been having over, I mean, over this last few days is um, with people that like, it's, you know, that joke of, hey, it's not so funny anymore because we're in this situation. And, um, 
and it's yeah it's so that's kind of where i'm at with it now you know as far as uh the reaction from people so and that, and that's where i would go with uh anybody that is coming on and you know they anybody that is interested in it is yeah it's not a laughing matter as far as feeding your family or yourself um luckily i mean i have a roommate but luckily like i'm single like i just i had to worry about myself now if something were to happen and i got to bug out yeah then i gotta worry about my pant my parents and stuff like that but i know they're set um but yeah it's just that mindset of how do you take care of yourself how do you take care of your family you know uh sean brings up a good point in the comments he says you can you can be rational and have common sense and be prepared and you know again getting rid of the stigma with preppers i think is is the opportunity we should kind of focus on here because of the fact that you know preppers are like we're kind of labeled based off of like shows like doomsday preppers right so uh phil yeah if if we wanted to tell somebody like how to think about what it is that they need. What would you say are some commonly forgotten items for like the generic household? Commonly forgotten for a generic household. Um, okay. Put, well, no, see here, here's the weird part. Like I have to put myself <laughs> in the mindset of people who I don't really associate with a lot anymore because like, I don't, I haven't been in an average household a long time. I mean, the thing of it is that the average household, unless I'm just totally in in my blinders, is going to have at least three or four days worth of food. If not, like we need to, we we need to start all the way over at the very, very beginning, right? Um, I imagine they probably have like a week's worth of hygiene supplies. I mean, I, I'm I'm th- I'm thinking average household. Something that's very commonly forgotten. If you are totally not into the prepper mind space, is you probably you might have a, be a firearm owner, and if you are, you're you're halfway there. You may not have any quick way to access your firearm in the event of a serious like life or death situation where you need to, you need to have an option for violence in order to save life or limb. You may not have what most was referred to in the game as like an eye pack or trauma gear, bleeder kits. Things like tourniquets, quick clot, more advanced, more more advanced medical gear than just band aids and neosporin. Um, you might very well have like canned foods. You may not have anything that's long term that's long term storable. Things like Mountain House freeze dried foods, things that are vacuum packed. I mean, to me, the biggest difference between like the a, a household that is in the prepper mindset and the average household, it's going to be the degree to which. We keep some of those things on hand. Like yeah. most most households, I would like to think have a, have like a thirty eight special in somebody's sock drawer in case they need to protect themselves. God forbid something happen. In this household, however, and I can't pull it out help because then YouTube and Facebook would shut down your feed. But needless to <laughs> say, there's a nine mil handgun on my hip almost all the time. There are several firearms that can be accessed within. 15, 20 seconds by myself or my wife in this house. There's a plate carrier loaded with rifle rated plates in case, God forbid, you know, somebody decides to kick off Red Dawn in in southern Louisiana. Uh, There's IFAX in several locations. There's tourniquets and quick clot and all sorts of things. Now, here's the funny part of all this. Even though I'm a spouse and you have all this stuff, because when things go bad, they tend to go really bad. I've also got a huge box of Band-Aids and a bunch of Neosporin and, and hydrogen peroxide and alcohol prep pads 
And I pull that out more often than anything because I have a seven year old and she runs into everything. (laughs) (laughs) So I mean, I I guess what I'm saying is that like, to me, it's a dual question because the average household will usually have the minor stuff, but they'll, they'll miss the more advanced or what they consider to be the more extreme measures, the things they don't think are really necessary. It works the other way around for a lot of the preppers though, because I've, pointed out to some people who have like they have a tourniquet hanging off of every doorknob in the whole house but i'm like hey do you have any band-aids and um, neosporin and they get this blank look on their face it's hmm. like they thought of they thought they thought of everything but then they missed the basic stuff because they were so wrapped around the axle about the prepper stuff and that's why yeah. i tell everybody i'm like prepping prepping is getting ready for everything that's why i tell people i'm like i don't i don't look at prepping for the zombie apocalypse or a nuclear winter i don't i don't prep for a scenario i prep because i prep from the perspective of i have to maintain my family's well-being period no matter what comes up so my goal is to prepare for as many different facets of our daily lives as i possibly can so that no matter what happens outside this home in this home we can take care of ourselves and if we have to abandon this home then we have some kind of a plan in action to be able to get the heck out of here with the bare minimum things we need to survive away from this home. Uh, Tony says on YouTube, he loves zombie preppers. And, you know, if that's what you're prepping for, there's literally, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, uh, I, I would say, that, yeah, yeah uh, go, go ahead, Andrew. Sorry. Me... No, 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 no. Finish your thought. Finish your thought. I got something to chime in there, but uh, the thing is, I mean, if, if you're preparing for some, a scenario where you need to bug out, uh, then prepare for a bug out. But if you're only preparing for a bug out and you're ignoring the bug in or quarantine or whatever the case may be, uh, you know, you're, you're missing out on some things. Prepping doesn't need to be daunting, but if you're going to do it, you should take it very seriously. And, you know, Sh- Sean points out uh, beans and bullets and basic first aid, non-perishable with long shelf life and water. Uh, Chloe, who is also, uh, I believe she says she was a, also a Mich- Michigander, she says guns and ammo, wood stove, and your own well. And if you live in an area where you are prone to very cold, brutal winters, then yeah, a wood-burning stove is fantastic. And even if it's not, a wood-burning stove in your house, if you if you are able to get, get one or, or have one, uh, that's great for being able to cook food in your house. So, you know, like like Phil said, individualize your prepping for what your mission is going to be. Go ahead, Andrew. You had a you had a thought. Yeah, I had a couple. Um, so first off, uh, going, I mean, like I would love a wood burning stove. Uh, I mean, again, growing up, my family has one uh, that they have. A, I mean, a fireplace really that we can boot. We booted up before in the winters, um, but. Where I'm at now, we don't have a wood burning stove. We don't have, you know, we don't have a uh, um, a fireplace. Uh, basically, I mean, I would highly recommend if you're in an area like myself uh, or some of these other listeners. Um, I mean, definitely like layers is a big thing. I mean, I have a crap ton of sweatshirts and I have the ability to layer up. I mean, one of the biggest things that I have that I've utilized many times is a single burner camp stove. Uh, I remember it's not not this last winter, but not this past winter, but the winter before it. Um, we lost power. I remember, and uh, I had everything for, made for. I had everything out for chili, and we lost power. And I'm like, "Well, crap! What am I gonna do?" Oh, so I walked upstairs, immediately grabbed the uh, grabbed the camp stove, pull, put it on the oven, and 
on top of the stove rather and uh, start making chili. And my roommates get home and they're like, how are you cooking? I'm like, camp stove. <laughs> like, are you surprised? And so, yeah, I made, I mean, I made chili and that, I mean, and, and without, you know, and I, kind of like no power or whatever. It's like, I had a headlamp and um, basically that was how I was cooking. And, and, it, and it helped warm up the house a little bit too. Um, but uh, going off like the whole zombie apocalypse thing, um, I'm going to take a page out of, uh, we, we've said it multiple times on our show. Um, my, my uncle, he, he had a great way of looking at that whole thing because as, as, as preppers and stuff, I mean, we do get the whole joke. Oh, you're prepping for the zombie apocalypse. Well, yeah, because what is your zombie? You know, um, the, the, the mindset of what is the, the mindset of your zombie isn't just flesh eating, you know, creatures or monsters or whatever it's and uh, you know, Michigan, it's, um, a snowstorm or an ice storm. That's my zombie. Um, I mean, the maybe like we don't really get it's tornadoes where I'm at are rare, but the occasional tornado. Um, what is that's my zombie? Phil, his zombie is you know a hurricane, a flood. Um, you know, your hurt, you know, like your zombie uh, down there, Derek, is probably you know a hurricane or uh, some you know just tornadoes or whatever. You know, I mean, drought or something. Yeah. You know, um, uh, you know if, if, so that's that's a good point. Zombie? That that's a good point, Andrew. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but drought. That's not something. No, that, that's not something that I really thought about, uh, even living here in 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 East Texas. Uh, it happens all the time, but what happens if you have a prolonged drought where, you know, the, the farms can't keep the, the grocery stores stocked? And, you know, because I prep, because I have extra food that I don't plan on eating immediately, it's there for emergencies – you know, should the the shelves be bare, I can't even find beans, corn, any sort of uh, vegetables whatsoever, and the price of beef is going up because cows are dying, uh, you know, prematurely, not being able to be slaughtered properly. Well, you know, what are you going to do? That's not something that was, you know, that, that needs to be, uh, that's something that needs to be planned for and... In order to – for situations just like this, if the if the shelves are bare, what are you going to do to take care of yourself and your family? And um, Sean says that's an excellent analogy right now. The zombies is all the panic and mass hysteria from this virus narrative. And it's true because the zombie right now for everybody is the shelves are bare because of the panic. Now, the panic was essentially fabricated by the media, which upset a bunch of people. Uh, and they got they went off and and decided to buy up everything they could on the shelves. But here's another thing: whenever they do that, you have these elderly people that might need things and they can't do it because uh, you know the, the the stores are barren. And go, go ahead, Phil. You look like you got well, a. Uh, I, I was just going to put, put poke in there because you know the, the thing that we fight against as people that espouse prepping a lot of times is a lot of people just blow us off because they think, well, that's never going to happen. So I like to break things down to microcosms where I can find a situation that's going to perfectly validate my point, and this is it. Because even if it wasn't coronavirus, even if you think the idea of prepping is ridiculous, even if you think it'll never happen to you, even if you live someplace where you don't get – Hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, floods. If you find one of those places, let me know, by the way, because I haven't seen one yet on Earth, and I've been around half of it. But if you believe all that, then all I can say is 
What happens the night you reach into your pantry because you're in the middle of cooking dinner and you need a can of X and you're out? What have, Are you prepared to go to the store at 8, 9 o'clock at night to go get the one thing you need to finish this meal you started preparing? What happens if you're busting to take a poop and you go into the closet where all the toilet paper is and you realize that someone used the last roll and didn't let you know so you could go get some the last time you went to the grocery store and you have a problem on your hands now? It's not about waiting for the zombies to start eating people, even though I love, I love Uncle Randy's analogy of what's your zombie. But I tell people, I'm like, it's a personality that says, why buy one when I could buy two and have one sitting on the shelf? Because I don't want to run out. It doesn't even have to get to a life or death situation. My wife and I went out today and bought extra groceries because we had plenty in the house, but I don't want to run out of anything and be inconvenienced by it. If I want to come home one night and eat tacos, I want to have ground beef and taco seasoning. I don't want to have to be inconvenienced or do without and I shouldn't have to, but it, it comes from the idea of proactive pre-planning to say I need X, so I'm going to go get two of them. So that's what I try to tell people, and I had this conversation with a friend of mine just the other day who said, well, I'm not a prepper. And I'm like, but you just told me you have like this little cache of canned food and extra food and stuff. What do you think that is? It's no different than me saying you should have extra food. Or just because I stock Mountain House, you stock canned green beans, it doesn't matter. You're still stockpiling. You're still developing a cache of extra things. It's the same personality. I I use the word term prepper even though a lot of people shy away from it because they don't like the negative stigma. But I use it because I'm trying to normalize it. Like I don't care what you call it. I just want everybody to have the stuff they need to take care of themselves because in my experience, if you rely on some other person or entity to take care of you, you might be disappointed. Yeah. And, yeah. You, you know, for those that uh, that do worry about that, that or that this is an eye opener for them in the sense that, you know, they don't want to be, uh, you know, waiting in lines, you know, for FEMA to show up and be and give them their rations, uh, you know. You wouldn't have to if you prepared. Uh, Andrew, do you have any any thoughts that you might want to, you know, share with somebody who's who's just getting involved? Um, I mean, nothing that we really haven't hit on yet. I mean, but it's just you know, back to you know, just find your zombie again. You know, just find that reason for doing it. Uh, it can be something super small, like what Phil said. It could be something like, "Hey, I'm just sick and tired of." reaching in the pantry and not finding what I want. Like, and if you, you know, if you prepared in the idea of, well, Hey, like these are the meals I like to cook. And this is what I like to eat the most often. Like if you like spaghetti and you like, you eat spaghetti three, four times in a week or a month, I mean, you should probably have a lot of like noodles and stuff to make the sauce and meat and, you know, whatever you want to put into it. Like you should have a lot of that. That way, like, if you want to go make it, I mean, like, if that's your jam, then, like, you should have that on hand. Um, but, you know, and, and that's the funny thing, like, the whole, because the, the, the term prepping, thanks to, um, you know, shows like Doomsday Preppers and stuff like that, it's got, like, a terrible, like, a very negative um, look, uh, a stigma, you know, on it. And... The, and so some people that I talk to when they're talking about, you know, the preparedness mindset and stuff like that, it's like, um, well, I'm not a prepper and I, you know, I don't really, I don't want to be labeled that or I don't care or I'm not one at all. And it's like, okay, well, you know, kind of like what Phil was saying a little bit, it's like, 
well, you know, when you get ready for camping, like, or say you're going on a camping trip, what do you do? Well, I go buy this, I go buy this, I go buy this, I do this, and, you know, I buy canned goods, I buy, you know, stuff for whatever. So you're prepping. You're preparing for that event. Yeah. What's the difference between doing that and upscaling it so that you're at home? So that, and, and that's where I really, that, and I get some people that look at me and are like, oh, like, yeah, light bulb clicks on, you know, Dean kind of thing. And, and so that's the thing is like, and I mean, for the longest time, I've prepared to bug out. I mean, I have stuff ready to where, like, if I need to take off, I can. Um, but it's, you know, recently in the last year or so, I really recently, I've, you know, it's because, like, I move around so much. And it's like, well, I'm trying, I try to be light so that next time I move, um, I don't have a bunch of stuff that I have to move. But, like, it's it's basically come down to the point of, like, you know what, screw it, I don't care. Um, the ne- next time I move, uh, people are going to look at me when I they start pulling food out of, like, the um out of the pantry and they're like oh, how many more canned goods do you have yeah you know just just smile and help you're getting beer out of this so <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> um but yeah i mean for someone who's new to this idea just just take it slow um because it, it, it can be very overwhelming it really can be that's we phil and i've had that that talk a lot with people is where do i start because it, it is very overwhelming but i mean look at look at where you're at look who how many how many people are you feeding how many people do you have to take care of and just start like with what, what, what Phil said, start with three days, start with one day, uh, start with two days, you know, whatever it is, just start with that couple days and then upscale it. Just and start. That's right. And, yeah. Just start. And that's the biggest thing is people don't know where to start. I mean, it's like working out. Well, I don't really know where to start. Well, just go and start walking on the treadmill, you know, start with sit-ups at home, just start doing it, start getting into that mindset. Cause once you get into that mindset, it's hard to get out. Yeah. You'll you wake up. Just look at things anymore. Exactly. Yeah, you, you, you'll, you'll wake up one day. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. You're fine. You're fine. I mean, yeah. that's, no, it's, it, and that's what I'm, that's, it, you're going to wake up. You're going to get, once you get in that mindset and you start looking, I mean, it's just like medical. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm in the, I'm in the medical field. Um, uh, I'm a, a paid on call firefighter. And, uh, and my roommate and I, like, we talk about medical a lot. He's very passionate as well. And the one thing I bring to my, my full time job is I'm, I bring, I try to bring that medical mindset um, because we're medically licensed at my job. And uh, it's like, I'm trying to get that mindset of through people. It's like, Hey, our license doesn't end at the gates for this job. It ends, you know, it never ends. Like if you're driving home and you see an accident, you can pull over, you can help. Yeah. And so, and like, so I'm constantly trying to bring up that medical mindset um, because I mean, I carry at least one tourniquet on me at all times. Sometimes I have two, sometimes it depends. Sometimes I have three. Yeah. It all depends. I mean, it, it all depends really like how many pockets I have that day, I guess. But um, I always at least have one tourniquet on me, if not two at all times you know, um, I, or, or near me. Yeah. And, and you know, I always, uh, I, I brought up on the show before, there's another podcast that I, that I uh, listen to every now and again. Um, and uh one of the things that they say on that is that everybody should carry four things on them. Uh, something sharp, something bright, something lethal, and something medical. Uh, bright being a flashlight, uh, uh, sh- uh, sharp being a knife, uh, medical being a first aid kit, and lethal being your gun. And if you have all four of those things, you're essentially prepared to get to wherever you need to hunker down at or leave if, if that's what you need to do, depending on the situation. And, you know, 
like my, my wife, she made fun of me the first time I, I, I got a trauma kit and I kept it in my car. And she goes, what are you ever going to need that for? And I said, I don't know. Uh, I could be driving down the road one day and see a horrific accident and I have the supplies that I can render first aid, or I might just cut my finger one day and need a Band-Aid. And the thing is, it wasn't a week and a half after that, uh, my wife got another piercing in her her ear, the little piece of cartilage that kind of sticks out from from her, from your ear. She got that pierced and we left the, uh, we, we left the piercing place and as I'm driving down the road, I look over and she's got this big old drip of blood just rolling down her face. I'm like, oh, damn, babe, uh, hang on. I pulled over, I grabbed my trauma kit, grabbed some gauze, cleaned it up, put some disinfectant on it, and guess what? The bleeding stopped, and it was because I had the first aid kit there. And it could be something so small, like kind of like what we've been talking about here. And whenever you do start... Once you start and you take those first steps, you're like like you were saying, you're going to wake up one day and you're going to realize that you've been preparing for some time for some scenario and you're going to be far, far ahead of everyone else in your community. You're going to be at a point where uh, you don't need to worry about anything going wrong for the most part because you've got everything covered. You've got the essentials covered. and uh, you know, you're going to wake up and you're going to be like, you know what? Maybe I want to take a, take a class on uh, trauma, traumatic first aid. Uh, you know, I, I have a firefighter, fire, firefighter buddy of mine, and uh, he's going to teach me how to administer an IV because I, ha- I haven't, it's not something that I learned. I've learned a lot of other, you know, first aid, but administering an IV is not one of them. And, you know, if you could keep some saline solution on the, on hand, you know, that might come in handy, but that's because I've gotten to the point where I'm starting to branch out and figure out other means of prepping. Not everybody needs to go that route, especially not immediately. Uh, Phil, I'm sorry. I've been, uh, been ranting a lot. What, uh, what you got? Well, no, I was just going to say that your, your experience having like an IFAC in a car closely mirrors what I did because I have, uh, in each one of me, each of me and my vehicles, I keep a quick clot, a rat's tourniquet. I'm struggling to remember what else. An Israeli bandage and some gloves. And I keep it in a really small pack. There's one in my wife's car. There's one in mine. And this is in addition to the substantially larger IFAC I keep in my truck that has like, you know, cat tourniquet and a couple of goodies that my wife's kit doesn't keep because she doesn't frankly know how to use a lot of it. So I tried to tailor the kits to like, what does my wife know how to use? But she thought that I was a little over the top when I handed that to her and stuck it in her glove box the first time. And I explained to her, I'm like, here's the thing, honey. I'm like, how many times have you been shot at driving on the interstate going to work? And she said, never. And I'm like, okay, how many car accidents have you seen? And she stopped. And I was like, I've personally stopped three times in commuting to my current job. I drive into New Orleans and out. And I've been at that job seven years, I think. Yep. Just finished off seven years. I've personally stopped for no less than five car accidents. Twice, I was the first one on the scene. Like, the first person that stopped beat the ambulance, beat the police. And if anybody had been critically injured, it had been me dealing with the problem before anybody else showed up who had more training than I did. So I tell everybody, I'm like, having an IFAC in a car 
sounds crazy until you put it in those terms. I'm not thinking about the, you know, the active shooter situation I may have to go to my car to get my gear for. I'm thinking about the fact that I drive 95 miles a day to and from work, and that's 95 miles round trip. I could come across a car accident, so I could be bleeding out. So that's why I have a tourniquet. That's why I have quick, quick clot. That's why I have a chest seal, because I don't get to determine the situation that I find myself in. And that's another thing I try to put in people's heads. We have to prepare for any situation that comes to us. We don't. No one sent me any, a memo yesterday and said, hey, there's going to be a serious car accident where somebody went halfway through the windshield, and you're going to be the first person on scene tomorrow. Do you mind? <laughs> but it's the truth. No one, no one asked me in advance if that's a situation I want to be involved in. I can either be prepared for it or as prepared as I can be, or I can not be. But I don't have it within me to come across someone who's knocking at death's door and have lack the ability to try to help them. I don't have that within me. And more to the point is if I'm involved in a serious accident, I really want to go home to my wife and kid. So those tourniquets, they're for self-aid. That quick clot, that's for my own head wound. That's so that I have the things to take care of myself. Or if someone comes across the scene, I can point at that IFAC on the roof. And if they know halfway what they're doing, they can rip down off the roof and they've got the things they need to take care of me. But it's like I tell everybody, I'm like, this is this is about this is not about prepping for the zombie apocalypse. This is not about prepping for like, you know, Mad Max, the Mad Max of the future where there's no gasoline and it's roving gangs running around in the streets. Leave the sci fi at the door for just a second. This is about prepping for things that if they don't happen to you every day, they happen to somebody every day. Every day people get in car accidents every day. People have, people have a violent home break-in while they're home and they have to defend their families. Every day, people blow a tire two days before payday and they need to go replace the tire and they better have money in their savings account to go do it. Every single day, someone encounters an emergency in this country. So you can make the decision to accept. You, it could be your day-to-day and be prepared to deal with the problem, or you could not. But it's, it's about everyday emergencies. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, uh, well, if there's one, one, oh, go, go ahead, sir. No, sorry. No, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, uh, you're good. No, I mean, uh, no. It, so, I mean, kind of going off of what Phil, the, the, um, the train that Phil started, uh, kind of piggyback on that. Um, I mean, you can either be an asset or a liability. And so if you prepare as far as, uh, I mean, if, if it's just for, you know, a winter or a tornado, hurricane, whatever it is, if you prepare yourself and your family for that, um, you're being an asset to yourself, to your family, to possibly your community. You're not being a liability and a drain on the and society and have to, re- you know, I mean, what's going to look better to your family or to your wife? Like, hey, sorry, um, I spent all my money on doing this other stupid crap uh, versus, you know, and we, and we have to wait for the government or like FEMA to come through and hopefully drop us off some food supplies for a couple of days um, or, hey, I have everything under control. Um, <clears throat> when you go, if you, you know, and that's why, like, Phil and I really push uh, medical um, on our show is because it's like if you are the first one on scene and you're, you know, you're just a passerby and you show up to a, um, a car accident and someone is on the side of the road and, um, I mean, they're, they have a head laceration, uh, you know, they, like, they broke their arm and, I mean, they have, like, something going on with uh, with their arm or, the, uh, you know, honestly, if they split their arm and, they, they're spurting blood. I mean, if you have the ability to take care of that and to help and render aid, you're being a you're being an asset. And if you just stand there and you don't know what to do, you're in the way. You're being a liability. 
So, and that's what I talk to people too about is like, do you want to be an SR liability? Do you want to be able to take care of yourself and others? Or do you just want to sit there with this, you know, look on your face, like, Hey, I'm just going to stand here and not do anything because I don't know what to do. Yeah. What goes along with that is the knowledge because having all this freaking cool gear and not being, not knowing basic triage techniques makes you absolutely useless. Cause I'm going to tell you that there have been several times just being a dad with a young child where the difference between knowing I could deal with a problem at home and taking my kid to an emergency room needlessly was the just the little bit of medical knowledge I have to be able to tell a minor, oh darn, from a major, oh crap. I mean, it's, it seems silly, but it's like, you know, like if, if your kid falls and says, oh, my arm hurts, most parents just freak the hell out. I look at my kid, start moving, you know, start maneuvering the arm. I'm looking for anything distended. I'm looking for anything out on angles. I'm looking for the joint, obviously not behaving the way it's supposed to. I'm looking for massive swelling. I'm doing everything I know from a basic, from a, a basic combat lifesaver course that taught me the very basics of how to triage somebody. So I know if I need to medevac them or just put them in a Humvee and take them to the local dock, but I'm trying to figure out, is this a, dislocation is this break is this just a case of tendonitis but having the knowledge to go along with all this gear is absolutely as important because if you come upon a scene and you know you have no gear with you whatsoever but you can at least be a good witness and you can be a good point of contact to keep control of the situation and then hand off to the medical crew or the police that come in like if you're the first person that comes on the scene and you tell a cop, look, I'm seeing this, this, and this, and those tell me this might be a spinal injury. He can relay that upstream to people that are coming with the proper gear to deal with that problem. I don't carry things I need to deal with a spinal injury. The only thing I can do is keep the person still. But by knowing I'm dealing with a spinal injury or suspecting it, I at least know enough to keep that person immobile. Whereas if you don't have that training, if you don't have that basic triage technique, if you don't even have the the basic knowledge of what you're doing and you move that person, you can make the problem 10 times worse. Yep. If, if you got a tourniquet, but you don't know how to use it, you may as well just not have it. I like to point this out all the time. Tourniquets are not used for head for head wounds. <laughs> and it's funny, but it goes to my point of if you don't know what the hell you're doing with the thing, it does more harm than good. Yeah. But yeah, drop that on somebody yeah. one time if you want to get a laugh. Tourniquets are not appropriate for head wounds. Same or straight face. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you can't you can't tourniquet the neck. I mean, yeah, I guess you could, but you could. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I mean, I know, I know, we kind of got off subject as far as like preparedness for like home and stuff or whatever. But I mean, it all it all boils this all boils back to the preparedness mindset. Um, what you're preparing for, whether you're preparing for, um, you know, a medical event or you're preparing for just just be at home for a couple of days uh, with no power or just, you know, you're quarantined in your house for 14 days. Like that's okay. what I mean. So that this all revolves around the preparedness mindset. Yeah, it just no. depends on what your zombie is. Yeah, I mean, it, there's a there's a chance that the government could put a blanket quarantine on everybody for 14 days. Do you have enough food to feed your family for 14 days? As long as the internet doesn't get shut down and I've got Netflix, I'm solid. I, you know, it's funny. I did hear that Pornhub was giving free premium accounts to people in Italy. I found that to be hilarious. I have a VPN. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, anyway, on that <laughs> note. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. We've we've had enough shenanigans for one evening. Uh, Phil, Andrew, thank you guys so much for coming on. Andrew, before we depart, do you have any uh, any last words? You want to plug the podcast? Got any little nuggets of insight you want to leave with the people? Um, yeah, I mean, for, uh, first off, if, uh, no, if anybody wants to check us out, uh, you can find us on Facebook at matter of facts podcast. You can find us on Instagram at uh, MOF podcast. Um, if you go to www.mofpodcast.com, uh, that has, that's uh, directly to the website that, uh, I've been working on and uh, it's got all of our links and, you know, everything there too. Um, but I mean, other, otherwise, you know, it's one of those things where, like I said, it's uh, just start doing it. Just start, just get out there and start preparing. Just try to get in that mindset. Cause once you start that, start doing it, it's hard to uh, get out of that mindset and um, start thinking of other things. Uh, Cause it, it definitely changes the way you think. So just get yeah. into doing it and um, you know, just do it for yourself. If you don't do it for yourself, at least if you have a family, do it for your family too. Um, because you should be able to provide for your, for your family, for your wife and kids um or like you know boyfriend girlfriend whoever you should be able to provide for them um so and and if you do it if you start getting in that mindset then uh hopefully things will follow and they'll get in that mindset and it's kind of you know it just it trickles down so just Absolutely. get into it doesn't matter how you do it just get into it awesome well andrew thank you sir phil when's the uh when's the sequel coming out god you had to do it did <laughs> of course i did by the way, okay, in case week, right, <laughs> if you have not read American Insurgent, available now on Amazon by Phil Rabelais, you need to buy that book right now. Put it in your prep kit and read it because it's amazing. Anyway, Phil, when's the sequel coming out, man? Um, I'm not giving a date. I will say that um, I had to pick that book back up after like almost a year taken off just because of all the crazes that happened in my uh, work life. I'm currently like 67,000 words into it and writing the finale. It's just, I know from experience that writing the finale is usually the hard part for me because it's like there's so many little pieces I want to tie all in and I don't want to leave anything out. I, I It's getting there. It's coming. It's okay. coming. I swear to God it's coming this time. And the title will be American Insurrection. That's amazing. It's brilliant. It's, I mean, American Insurgent. Now you got American Insurrection. Yeah, it's don't perfect. ask about the third one because that that's that's like a vague idea and no working title. I haven't got I got to get one thing done at a time. I did just want to say though that um, particular to our Instagram, I've really been trying lately to like shove a lot more content through our Instagram because like at least I am horrible about doing it. So I jumped into the meme game and. I'm just going to say that if you have a bit of a sense of humor, don't offend easily. Some of the memes coming out of MOF podcast on Instagram have been hilarious lately. That I, I can vouch for that. They they have been uh, very, very entertaining, and I very much have appreciated them. Uh, my side has been hurting at times from laughing so hard. <laughs> well, good. I mean, not good that your side was hurting, but, you know, need need can't take yourself too seriously. Oh, of course not. Uh, if you did, you would, well... Well, I don't know what you would do if you took yourself seriously because I've never taken myself seriously. But, okay, guys. Again, thank you guys so much for uh, for your time, for coming on. Uh, guys, if you haven't started prepping, just start. Just buy 
a little bit extra and keep it on hand just in case. Um, also, uh, we got some... Uh, there's some runoffs going on, and we're going to be feeding you guys information about those as well. And uh, that's all I got. Until next Sunday, arm yourself with knowledge and share the ammo. Thanks, guys. Yeah.